Welcome to the Therapeutic Food Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Marion Mitchell. I'm an integrative nutrition health coach, therapeutic diet expert, and founder of The Road to Living Whole. There are many different diets out there. It's hard to know which one is right for you with your chronic illness and autoimmune disease. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you the foundational pieces every single therapeutic diet out there shares, and also how to use the best one for your particular diagnosis. If you've been looking for a meal planning partner, help navigating the complicated healthcare system, and want to feel better quickly, I'm your girl. Grab your kombucha and notebook, let's dive in. Today I have with me Riggs Eckleberry, and he is a nationally renowned entrepreneur who's going to talk about all things water. And it might not sound like it's going to be interesting, but I promise it's going to be absolutely fascinating. And you are going to want to tune in because there is so much to learn about water and how it impacts our bodies and our health and our chronic disease that we're struggling with. And there's so much that we can do. And we're going to dive into all of that. So Riggs, thank you so much for joining me. Marion, it's such a pleasure and an honor, really. Thank you. It's my pleasure as well. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners so they can know who you are, and then we'll dive into the topic of today. Well, Marion, I came out of high tech in the 90s and the early 2000s, and when I finally became sort of working my way up the ladder, right? Because in the 80s, I was an entrepreneur, and but then in the 90s, I buckled down because I had a family to, <laughs> I had a family to, uh, to grow. And so over 10 years, I became sort of C-level executive in high tech. And when I finally had a chance to become a CEO, I was offered a position, not so much in tech, but in what was then called green. This is 2006. Um, And in 2007, we launched a company in the algae industry. Algae is a wonderful thing, but we were focused on it for biofuels which remains a fantastic solution to the whole fossil fuel problem. But that was cut short by the fracking revolution, which brought the price of gas down, good for our pocketbooks, bad for algae. So um, as a result, uh, we pivoted into water and we became a company named Origin Clear, which is a public company today, been uh, on the -the over-the-counter market for 14 years now. And we have been working very hard to sort of crack the code on what's happening in water because everything's, you know, people are very complacent about water. Like, well, look, I have water comes out of my tap. I drink it. I flush it. It goes away. What's the problem? Well, like, well, there are problems in paradise and they pop up little canaries in a coal mine, you know, Flint, Michigan, and the scandals about various, you know, the, um, the forever chemicals and all these things pop up, but what's the solution? And we believe we've got a solution to the problem. And I'll be happy to walk walk your listeners through every layer of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because water is just one of those things. I feel like it's one of those that like, even when we hear about, you know, the forever chemicals that are in water right now, and it's before Congress and, you know, all of this stuff, and it just feels so big and we feel so powerless in what we can even do. Like, you know, they prove to us that the water's, you know, pH neutral and, you know, this, that, and the other. And, you know, we get our little water paper that's really hard to understand every year, at least I do, you know, and it just feels just so big and it feels almost like, does it really matter? And the answer is it does. And so let's dive into some of these things that are, that have popped up and why they matter. 
Because I think that it's really hard to just kind of wrap our heads around the kind of the concept of like these things. Okay. The core problem is underfunding. Since 1961, we have failed to make proper infrastructure expenditures. And so the graph for operations and maintenance, which is kind of like you keep taking your old Toyota Corolla in for repair, but you don't really fix it. And you keep adding water to the radiator as it leaks. That's kind of what's been going on for steadily since 1961, which is, you know, more than 80 years. So um, as a result, we've accumulated a backlog of unfunded infrastructure needs, even while industry has grown, agriculture has grown, the population has grown. And frankly, the utilities have fallen far behind. They know it, um, but they don't know what to do about it. There was a case in Compton, California a few years ago where the residents found that the water was running brown out of their taps. And the local water district said, oh, that's fine. It's just magnesium. Don't worry about it. And they're like, no, we would actually like to have clear water if it's okay. <laughs> and the water district said, well, it would have been nice if you had approved any of our budget requests for the last 15 years, which you haven't. And as a result, that water district was folded into the LA Metro uh, district. The problem was solved. But the point is, is that there's over two, gosh, there's 150,000 plus uh, water utilities in America, many of them very, very small, and they're badly underfunded um, from big to small. Uh, in the uh, Biden administration, there was that $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill of which water was allocated one two thousandth of that bill, less than what broadband, uh, rural broadband got. And I think water, rural broadband is important, but water is always, should be number one, but for whatever reason, it's not. So under allocation to water infrastructure. Now, the problem is, so now just to give you where the problem's at, your listeners can go to the environmental working group, ewg.org slash tap water, enter their zip code, and uh, they'll see probably more easy to understand than that report you get from your utility. Yeah. Okay, here's what the city or county is um, doing, what they've achieved, and they're usually within limits, so they're usually compliant. And here's the actual science, and it's 5,000% too much on this, 2,000% too much on that. And now you know what the problem is in your neighborhood. And in general, U.S. tap water is in bad shape. Now, um, that's the incoming water problem. The other problem is, is the uh, sewage is not being treated adequately, which is also impacting the groundwater and ultimately comes back to the tap water. I mean, it's a big circle. So um, why is this going on? Well, I can tell you that um, the, the real problem is overuse by industry and agriculture. 90% of all water demand is by industry and agriculture. Roughly, in the US, really fit roughly 50%. You know, in Somalia, it might be like 80% agriculture, but in the US, is about equal, equal. And um, they, I'm not blaming them, it's their resource to use, but um, the easiest solution to the problem is really to pull those um, the 90% off the system over time, give them their own water treatment capability so they can treat their own polluted water. They keep getting water from the city, that's fine. The, 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 the incoming water can still be from the city. Um, and that leaves 10% that the utilities can easily service. 
In Ireland, water is free. Well, why isn't it free here? Well, it's because industry and agriculture is 90% of the demand. So now here's the amazing part is that when we present the opportunity to industry and agriculture, they're like, oh, this is great because they get uh, water rate relief, you know, uh, because again, the utilities in order to compensate for all this deficit are overcharging on water rates. Um, number two, we get to recycle, which means we get, you know, two or more turns out of the water that we paid for. And number three, we set our own regular, you know, we could, we comply ourselves with regulations. We don't have a lot of pesky um, inspectors and stuff. So they like it. And um, the, what we've dedicated ourselves to is two things, downsizing the technology so it can fit from those giant systems into, you know, a 150 square foot uh, footprint in a brewery, for example, and also helping with the capital side so that these businesses don't have to worry about coming up with a million dollars when their business is not about water, the business is about making beer or whatever. Um, and then we just simply put them on a service contract. They pay by the gallon that everybody's happy. We so my company origin clear has created a whole initiative called water on demand that does this. And that is very exciting. Uh, we have a lot of investors interested because it's one of the few asset investments that can be made directly by the regular investor. So that's exciting. Um, and it leaves us, however, it's not going to happen overnight. What do your listeners do about their water? Well, okay. I want to, I want to stop for a second. What I love about the water on demand is, you know, if we're just think taking beer, for example, the better and clearer the water is, the less stuff that's in it, the better the beer tastes. So they're able to test and regulate and, and go to you guys and say, Hey, we're, we're seeing this in our water. How do we clean it out? You know? So to me, I feel like that's really exciting. I think one of the concerns that I had with this, and it's not the small farmer, right? Cause I think the small farmer wants purity, especially if we go to regenerative farmers, things like that, they really want water that's pure. doesn't have the chemicals. But then I think about the bigger ag industry and how they might want to keep the pesticides and the fertilizer and stuff in the water so that they have to, you know, they can recycle that, which kind of makes me have some concerns. So I guess one of my questions is, are they able to do that with your technology or are they, are they even interested in it? Are you, does your, who uses water on demand? Is it the smaller farmers and the smaller breweries and things like that? Like, I guess I just have some questions about that. Right. So you're talking about a new segment of the water industry, which is generally called water as a service, mm -hmm. where uh, private businesses like ours take the burden from the city. Now, we're not taking the, a lot of people go, oh my gosh, now you're, you're like Nestle, you're going to take all the water. No, 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 no. Leave the, the water supply the way it is. We're talking about dealing with the dirty water. Mm -hmm. And water as a service basically does the sewage Instead of the public utility, it becomes a private utility on premises. And so it's self-reliant water treatment for the business. Now, there are a lot, there are big, big operators in water as a service that do giant, you know, they work with Pepsi and stuff like that. Pepsi's made a commitment, for example, to recycle 80% of their water. So somebody's got to do that for them. They've got giant companies taking care of that. What we're more focused on is the um, small to medium operator, which is from 5,000 gallons a day of, of effluent up to about 20,000 gallons a day. So craft breweries, um, housing developments, uh, mobile home parks, 
freeway um, rest stops, lots of these uh, RV campgrounds. We helped a dealership in Pennsylvania relocate onto very cheap land and they didn't have to connect sewage. They just put in our system and they took care of their own sewage. So uh, it's basically being able to cut the cord. So we're positioned a little bit lower in the scheme of things, but there's many, many more. So that's the giant amount of where this, there's a relatively few giant companies we're, we're talking about the ones you're talking about, which is small to medium, and they are conscientious and they do care. So the short answer is not everybody's going to comply. You know, you've got a big problem in the Carolinas with the, um, the poultry processors mm-hmm. and they're putting a lot of nitrates in the water and it's creating algae bloom and all that stuff. It's not going to disappear overnight. Uh, but there, you know, for example, in Florida, the legislature passed a law to regulate basically any kind of basin where water gets caught they now have made certain requirements to try and do something about it because that relates to the Everglades and Lake Okeechobee and mm-hmm. all these uh, lagoons and so forth that get choked. So that, you know, the states are trying and they'll keep trying that. But what we're doing is enabling this frictionless transition to a business paying on the same meter as always, but paying a private operator like us. And the beauty of our program is uh, whereas the big players, no investor like you and me can invest in it. We welcome investment from everyday investors. And that's what makes it exciting. You know, people can go to originclear.com, click invest now. And right now they have to be accredited, meaning that they have to make 200000 a year. But, you know, we also have from time to time a crowdfunding offer that, that comes in that we, that we offer to people who don't have to be accredited. So one way or the other, Regular people can invest in this revolution, and that's our that's our role. That is truly exciting. I had I've heard of water on demand, but it's one of those things that you kind of hear in passing, maybe watching video or listen to a podcast or something. And it's really cool to just kind of really learn what that what you're doing, and that's really exciting. Uh, okay, so I love that you guys focus on the small and medium businesses because I feel like those get neglected so much, and the opportunities are so much fewer, far between or harder to find maybe. Um, But, you know, now going to us and our water and our homes, what are some of the issues that maybe people have maybe heard about or maybe haven't heard about and things that really do impact our health as individuals? Well, you know what, let's, let's, um, let's illustrate that ewg.org app water. Okay. And here we go. What's your zip code? 85032. 85032. Let's take a look at your water. Uh, City of Phoenix. And uh, let's take a look at your utility. So uh, contaminants detected eight. There's 20. Um, well, there's 20 total contaminants. Eight exceed environmental working group health guidelines. So um that's uh, the picture and um, tap water provided by this water utility was in compliance with federal health-based drinking water standards, but unfortunately legal limits have not been updated in almost 20 years. So you, you're exceeding. So I'm looking here, what are the eight? Um, you are arsenic, you're at 1200 times. Uh, the utility is at five, uh, five parts per billion 
the environmental working group's guideline now based on new science is 0.004 parts per billion. So they're 1,266 times worse. Chloride, 2.6 times. Chromium, 20 times. These all have cancer effects. Nitrates. Uh, I'm not going to say some of the words because radium, there's a, there's a ton of stuff that, that is um, problematic for, for your zip code. So this stuff is coming in your tap water. Now, um, if I happen to drink for the tap every once in a while, it's no big deal. The, the, this stuff's not going to, in America, water won't kill you immediately. But it's the long-term effect we worry about. Um, so in addition to these various uh, cancer-producing chemicals, we also have problems with what's called forever chemicals, which are like the stuff, like um, the residue from Teflon pans and that like kind of thing. The PFAs or PUFAs. PFAS. Mm -hmm. I know, and uh, it, it's got some horrible. I mean, it, what is it? It's. it's I, I keep forgetting what PFAS means, but um, it's a really long I, word. <laughs> I know. I know. Per and polyfluoroalkyl substances (PFAS). These are chemicals that resist grease, oil, and water, and heat. They were first used in the 40s and are now in hundreds of products, such as stain and water-resistant fabrics, carpeting, cleaning products, paints, firefighting foams. So that is, by now, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to filter out, number one. Number two, 95% of all Americans have glyphosate in their bodies. What is glyphosate? Roundup. And Roundup is frankly abused in, in farming for reasons I can, I can get into that story, but the bottom line is that they overuse it as a herbicide, but also add to dry out the crop quickly by killing it. So they completely overdo it. And as a result, not only do the farmers really get hurt. And I, I've um, one of our investors lives is a doctor in Wisconsin and he sees the farmers come in with brain cancer, you know, uh, glioblastomas, directly resulting from this, but it also affects the rest of us. And that's what um, we have to deal with is this. Now, glyphosate as a particle is very small. So you have to take special care to get it out. And finally, there's um, the emerging ones that we're learning things about like atrazine, which is a herbicide that may be harmful. Um, so what do you do about it? Well, I can tell you what we did in this condo. We moved in in uh, November, 2021, um, brand new condo here in lovely Clearwater, not sunny today. Uh, and um, what we did was we got um, for the entire condo, we got a whole home system that's just ultra filtration, pretty cheap. It goes down to 0 0.2 microns, which is good for a lot of particles, not, not enough for the glyphosate, but for most particles. Then under our sink, we mounted a reverse osmosis system that takes everything out, so much so that you have to have a remineralizing stage afterwards. Uh, and that gives you absolutely pure water. And we cook with that, we drink it. And the third thing is uh, you gotta make sure your shower water because your skin absorbs a tremendous amount of water during a shower or a bath. So that uh, we got um, special shower heads, filters. And I the one we've got, I think is on Amazon is Pro One. And that filters out the glyphosate and everything else. But I mean, most, so once a year you change that filter too. 
And that's it. That's, you know, you're set and you're set for the ongoing problem, you know, the, of, of the filtration. I'm getting the exact name here uh, so that you're, let me just look up here, of the uh, Pro One Pro Max. Pro One Pro Max uh, is one brand. I have no, no monetary interest in it, but that's what we use at home. So as far as the other parts, those you can get from your local we used a, a Florida water treatment local company that does consumers, any consumer type vendor, you can look it up in, in your, your uh, Google and they'll take care of that. So that was, you know, you could do whole home reverse osmosis, but that's going to be relatively expensive. And I think it's overkill. So you do the ultra filtration for the whole home, the RO for the sink and you protect your shower heads and move on, get a life. <laughs> I, what I love about that is it actually is really simple. Like my dad installed the under sink RO with the remineralizing step. I even think there's an ultraviolet light that it goes through, you know, and, um, the water tastes amazing. It, you know, it boils quickly, all of that stuff like there it's really, and it's only, I think it was like $180 and then you replace the filters quarterly, you know, some of them are annually, like they're all, there's all these different ones now, but that's really tangible. Like that's really not that expensive, you know, and you can focus on one thing at a time. I, I, you know, if you had to pick one to start with, what do you think would be the place to start? I would focus on the drinking water. Now, not everyone has the money for an under sink. Uh, maybe it's, it's not that expensive, maybe 800, $800, $900, but worst case, just get a Brita, a Brita filter, you know, or, or similar, there's those really good um, gravity-fed ones that are, uh, Berkeley is one brand of those, which are really good because they're big cylinders, five-gallon cylinders with these black carbon filters. And that way you've always got a supply of water and it's perfectly good. So that's step one. Also, you can get those, send your kids off to school with a water bottle that's got a built-in filter. Yeah, they have them so. at Costco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that takes care of business. So you can do that very, very simply. The key is awareness, you know, just be sure. Now I am not a fan of, of buying bottled water. We know what it is environmentally, but also if it sits in the car, then it, the plastic leaches into the water and all that. So, um, where possible get uh, glass drinking water bottles, metals. Okay. Too, but sometimes it has a f- flavor I've noticed. Yeah. Glass is the best by far. Yeah. So I was thinking like here in Phoenix, um, we have all kinds of water refill stations that are RO based refill stations are everywhere. And Mm. you know, the glass is, I would say it's not that expensive. It's a little bit of an upfront, but you can get gallon glass jars, you know, and then pop the lid on and use them that way. Um, we also have like water delivery companies, you know, for drinking water, things like that. There's, there's lots and lots of options. So I love you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of plastic either because of, you know, the leaching of the chemicals. And then of course the pollution, I'm a big fan of sustainability and reusing as much as we can where the throwaway, you know, the water bottles that you get are so thin, they, they, they're just throwaway. And then it's ending up in our oceans and in our water supply. And it's just not good. No. And by the way, the water delivery um, services are fine, but you know, you'll save money if you can possibly just put in that RO in your sink, you will save money. Yeah. So Yep. And it, I mean, you'll, it'll be this, I think it's even less in a year, like you'll have it paid off in under a year, you know, if you use it that way. 
I'm a big fan of, you know, just installing it yourself um, because it is so much more cost effective. Well, uh, that's you're a DIY. That's amazing. (laughs) Not me. I have a dad. My daddy's DIY. (laughs) Well, you know, then he, he probably enjoys it. Yeah, he does. And he's a very, he does things right. So yes. yeah, I, I have my daddy. Uh, he does all that stuff for me. So, but if you're not handy, there are companies that do it too. <laughs> um, okay. So what else do people need to know about water? Well, remember that there's water everywhere. Like when your kids go to school, they're using a water fountain, things like that. So think about other places the water is being consumed in your home and make sure, like we mentioned, uh, you know, sending your kids to school with their own water bottle. Now, kids don't necessarily comply, but hey, what are you going to do? Mine lose water bottles like at least two to three times a month and we find them or we have to get new ones. So the cost can be, the cost can be there, but I always fill up with the good water at home. There you go. And, uh, you know, I try to get them like the bigger ones, even though they're kind of heavy, but my kids are older, so they can kind of lug those around. But yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all about education. And, you know, if we can minimize at home, you know, and then what about, okay, that's I'm, what about, what can we do on a local level Mm -hmm. to advocate for cleaner water following the science? You know, I feel like, again, it's like, okay, I can do this at home, but it would be nice if I didn't have to do this at all. Right. So, um, you know, when we were, you know, meeting each other and kind of talking, you mentioned how a lot of people don't pay their water bill. And so we're already underfunded and then people aren't paying. So then they're even more underfunded, you know. And so it's kind of like what what can we do on a local? I always believe local up. Right. So what can we do on a local level? What are options to kind of help make some changes? Like, yes, we can do this at home, but it'd be nice for the people who can't afford the water systems and all that, what can we do for our community as a whole? Right. Well, you know, um, utilities are local and they are under the control typically of a a city or county. And um, there are ways to um, agitate for better funding of these. Uh, It's a slow process, but got to do something, right? So that, for example, I mentioned that bill that just was passed a few days ago in Florida legislature to protect, there's very, as I say, these these catchment basins that are very sensitive to runoff. Um, so things like that, I think, are worth supporting. And then, you know, I would invite people to join my weekly briefing on Thursday nights, where you can learn more every week about things like that, because I cover a lot of this. So just go to originclear.com, sign up for the CEO briefing. Love to have your listeners listen in because we have some of this news. We talk about some of the solutions. What can you do? And when we do open a crowdfunding, then you'll hear about it there. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that only your accredited listeners, the ones who make, you know, $200,000 or more can, can act because um, I believe strongly in, you know, the smaller investments matter. So, um, and that, it goes towards this this water on demand program that we're building. So um, your listeners could go to originclear.com, sign up for the briefing and get updated. If they can't make the Thursday night briefing, of course, we have the replay that's circulated and so forth. And that kind of keeps you up to, up to date. So I would say local action, as you say, city council, county government, you know, in, the, in this county, Pinellas County, 
there's a very active county legislature, county board, whatever you call it, board of supervisors. And so they are susceptible. They have meetings and these are open and, uh, you know, citizens can ask tough questions. And I think it's very important. Awesome. I love that you have that resource because again, the science is always changing. There's all, there's new science coming out all the time. And then just kind of learning, like if I wanted to do this, like knowing that there's some steps and there's some resources and some support, because it can feel kind of lonely, you know, being Mm -hmm. a change, being a change maker. But yes, because the great thing about it being on such a small local level is one person shows up and asks some questions and brings some studies. It can, it can stir the pot you know, or agitate the beehive or whatever, it can really kind of get some things moving, you know, and I also think it's also good to understand where they're coming from and what the system looks like. And, you know, they might just be like, well, we've just done it this way for 50 years, like, you know, and then also advocating for funding, you know, if they really, really need it, then we know what we need to vote for. Right. We know what we need to ask our legislatures for. And I'm I'm a big fan of local government, especially since the pandemic and uh, everything that happened. I think local is where it's at. But that's also just where it changes. If we can change our small little bubble and everybody changes their small little bubble, all of a sudden that big bubble is huge. You know, and it's the same thing with everything, with eating and farming and water and all of that stuff. So I, I love that you are working from the ground up and from the small the small up. So I think that that's just so huge because these big companies have the resources, the financial resources, all of that to be able to do that stuff where the small one wants to, but did, didn't have an option until until now. Well, and over time, we will get to the ones that are really resisting, you know, like like um, the uh, CAFO, right? Concentrated Animal Farming Operations, CAFO. Well, they that's pretty gnarly. They're affluent. It's pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, I don't even talk about the the farming conditions inside those, the breeding conditions are like, please. They're awful. Yeah. I've toured them and I've toured relatively humane ones in Spain and uh, it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah. There, you know, it's, I feel like when it comes to like health and making over the world and like our little world, you know, it can feel really overwhelming, but there's just, it's always like, you know, start where you can control and build out from there. And like this, you know, the CAFOs, like that's one of the reasons way back in my early twenties that like I became a vegetarian and then a vegan and I'm not anymore because my health declined, but how I was able to switch from that was going to small, smaller farms. You know, they love their animals. They raise them in their natural environment. They humanely slaughter them, you know, and it's very clean conditions. They care. They really, really care about the animals every step of the way. And they care about the earth and how the earth is taken care of. And they do their own little part, you know, and then their their community grows. And then there's this big section in states that just have this regenerative farming going on. And, you know, they're the ones who are going to want to use, you know, the water on demand and be able to control it and, you know, think, and just kind of do their part to, to clean up and save the money also. You know, um, I know it's, yeah. the, you know, like, and no, just, I mean, everybody's got to make sense in the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, frankly, we are burdened by enough taxation regulation as it is, and to add yet another burden. So this is like, hey, this is actually good for you. Good. But, but, you know, speaking to the issue of, of farming, you know, if we push for like, um, as, as consumers, and my, my wife and I only buy, 
grass-fed, grass-finished beef, right? Well, that implies right away it's a farmer, a smaller farm, because the giant operations can't afford huge pastures, right? right. Whereas you know you've got these mosaics of smaller farmers, and uh, not only is it healthier for you, you're sustaining that world. Yeah, yeah. There's all these little things that we can do, and it tastes better. I like I, yes. you know, I had a coworker who had her own little farm and, you know, would slaughter one of her cows like two or three times a year, you know, and I would, you know, buy from her and it just, the taste was amazing, you know, and that kind of got me really into the smaller farms. Like it was just, it was really cool to be like, Hey, I work with you and you own this farm. And it was just, it was cool. But also just the fact that it was so, it tasted so good. It didn't need as much seasoning. It didn't have a lot of fat. It was delicious and it was the right fat yes know, exactly yeah well it's lovely that we're such a, a chord <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like when you know it's just so interesting because all of us come at the health from these different like different approaches but we all have the same but it's not that different we we mm-hmm. know we care about the earth we care about quality of food we care about nutrients and and one thing I always want to encourage people is like, it takes time to get to where we are. You know, we didn't start up here, you know, it's like these little changes and, you know, with the focus of today, water is a big one, you know, the, there's stuff in water that we don't even know about, but we know, you know, atrazine is causing, you know, there's all atrazine is an herbicide, but there's, there's hundreds that are used and they're used in huge amounts and they're endocrine disruptors and cancer causing And, you know, and then in the water, they don't, they're not able to filter out pharmaceutical products. So we're drinking birth control and psych meds and, you know, all of this stuff. And if we can just remove some of that, you know, if, even if we were just at home, if we can control that, that's a lot of our time. That's a lot of our water, you know, and it does make an impact, even if you can't be perfect just incremental steps really do make a huge impact. You're preaching to the choir. (laughs) I I, I totally agree with just taking concrete steps, whatever you can do. Absolutely. Awesome. So again, you have talked about how people can contact you, how they can sign up for your CEO briefings and how they can support what you're doing. Is there anything else that we need to let them know before we, before we go? Well, one thing to remember Drink water. I mean, even even if it's uh, yes, there's all these problems with water, but but drink lots of water no matter what, right? Uh, we know the benefits of drinking lots of water. Don't stay hydrated. That's super important. Um, that even if it's not the perfect water, it's better to flush things out of your system and keep things going. So, don't forget to drink your water. I love, it. especially in the summer. I'm in Phoenix, as we know, and it's 110 plus. For the whole week, we're supposed to get some rain, but I don't see it happening, you know? So yeah, you have to stay hydrated and, you know, at this point it's staying hydrated is more important than not. And water is always better for you than soda or anything else like that. So make sure you drink your water. Absolutely. Well, Marianne, it's such a pleasure talking about this. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help others find it by leaving a review, sharing a screenshot on social media, or sharing the link with a friend? By you sharing what you've learned, others are able to find this podcast and join our community. 
Be sure to check out my website, www.roadtolivingwhole.com for over 160 delicious recipes, a variety of meal plans, and a blog packed full of even more healthy living tips. If you'd like to learn more about how to work with me as your coach, you can schedule a free consult through www.roadtolivingwhole.com backslash health dash coaching backslash. Until next time, friend. Bye.